0: Brian can you hear me
1: now? I can hear you and your three friends. <laughs>
0: awesome okay well this is fun. This will be one for the archives. All right Brian so why don't you introduce yourself <laughs> and let everybody know who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah absolutely so I'm Brian Cheney. I lead Employer Brand for Internal Recruiting at Indeed, Um, and I have co-founded a community of employer branding and recruitment marketing professionals uh, with Will Staney called the Talent Brand Alliance, and um, I love connecting with people, helping share the knowledge, um, especially in the tiny, relatively uh, tiny world of employer branding and recruitment marketing. Uh, I am from Austin, Texas. Uh, down the road from you just a little bit, and I'm excited to be here.
0: Fantastic. So I think there's a lot that we can talk about today, but you know, the way that we like to kind of run the show for anybody who's listening in, or Brian, if this is your first time listening, is we like to ask guests what's keeping them up at night, and usually that's within the context of things that they're doing, but with you, you've got your your day job that Indeed and also this association, which I'm very excited to dig in um, and talk about a little bit more. So there may be a few things keeping you up at night. Where would you like to start?
1: <laughs> well, uh, in my day job, uh, what's keeping me up at night is the ability to hire and grow the team. Um, so as, as, as some of you may or may not know, uh, I actually have uh, an 11-person employer brand team. Um, we recruit globally. Uh, so, we, so my team supports global recruiting, recruiting with recruitment marketing, advertising, um, employer branding, content creation, as well as reputation management. There's a whole list, right? Um, but mm-hmm. my team um, supports them. And most people who are in employer branding know that uh, 11 people. Uh, in fact, very, very few hit the double digits. And so for us, it's still a challenge to actually find people who, who have that experience in different markets and hire them because there's standards are great. We, we have lots of them. <laughs> Meaning if you ask, <laughs> if you ask people, what, what does employer branding mean to them? They'll have a certain definition. And if you ask somebody else, they'll likely have a very different definition. So, um, what's keeping me up at night in that regard is, is standards, understanding what we do, how we do it, and the reasoning behind it. So I think words are important and I think we just haven't really, um, we haven't really nailed down what it is we do specifically. There's, there's some, some main words, um, but I think understanding and expectations are one of the biggest pieces of frustration for me as an employer brand professional, but also for a lot of other people.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's, so, so I think that's true in, in almost any organization, um, the, the standardization around what does your title mean, what are your responsibilities, and, and even really what is the function supposed to do? Uh, I, again, I think that's a challenge for a lot of different industries, but definitely true in employer branding. And I think that's probably where Talent Brand Alliance probably starts to come in. Is that, would that be a fair statement? It is.
1: And so for, for us, it's like, how do we wrap our heads around all of this? How do we define what we're doing? And so we have, um, we have a definition, uh, and that's thinking about talent brand as this encom- all-encompassing thing. Uh, including internal communications, employer branding, um, recruitment marketing and advertising, um, employee experience communications, HR marketing, all these different terms that mean a lot of the same thing. Now, do I think that employer brand management is much, much broader than talent attraction? Absolutely. And I feel like the, that piece gets glossed over a little bit because the, the squeaky wheel is can we hire the people? And beyond that, it's how do we make sure that those experiences line up? How can we feed that information from a reputation management perspective, for example? How can we feed that feedback back into the business and help affect change? And I think that's a whole other part of employer brand management or talent brand management that a lot of people don't like to think about. And that's actually one of the reasons why we're bringing Simon Barrow um, to the event in London next month because Simon actually was uh, one of the original creators of employer brand management as a concept. And so I'm really excited to kind of learn from him because I think his perspective is very different than what you or I might actually think of as employer branding or employer brand management um, beyond talent attraction and recruitment. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that he can challenge everybody in the right way so we can think bigger about what it is we actually do.
0: Yeah, I think um, so. One of the things, first of all, I'm, I'm super, super um, envious of everyone that's going to be at the conference next month in London because I, I, I would give a lot to be able to hear him speak. And I know you can still go, right? There are still tickets. So, <laughs> so right
1: there, there right. are few tickets. But you, you and I both know that you have you have uh, an, uh, an engagement, uh, you know, so not not able to make that trip. But for for those who actually are able to make it. There's a lot of different companies that we're all going to be learning from. Um, there's uh, smaller, you know, thousand, I say smaller with air quotes, uh, thousand person companies um, who have maybe one person who's um, managing employer brand, uh, all the way up to companies like Intel, um, you know, who have a, a 500 person recruiting team. And I think the employer brand uh, and recruitment marketing team is in the teens. I can't remember the exact number that, uh, that Carol mentioned the other day, um, but everything and everything in between. And the cool thing about it is it's not the format of the event is, is it's really a workshop, and it's not where you can get in a room and listen to someone tell you how brilliant they've been and, and what they have achieved, uh, although there will be some of that, but it's also to learn what's not working and what everybody else has tried and maybe failed at or learned from. And so you're really not, you're not there to hear from seven speakers. You're there to learn from a hundred other people who do what you do.
0: Yeah. And I, I, personally think that format in a, in a conference is really val- uh, valuable. Maybe more than hearing, like, here's the success story that we have, right? Like those are, they're good to hear about, but uh, so I'm not downplaying them, but you don't tend to learn a lot from them. I don't, I don't think. It's really like, because you don't know all of the ins and outs that went, that goes into getting to that end result, right? Like, so you don't know all of the details. You just kind of hear the results and some surface level stuff. So it's not something that you can take back and replicate. But when you you work with people and say, like, here's the problem that we're trying to solve for right now. And there are 10 other people that are sitting around you or 100 other people, whatever the case may be, um, saying, okay, yeah, we tackled that last year or we're in the middle of that too. I'd really like to see it. Um, see what you're coming up with, and, and they work with you and challenge your way of thinking in that moment, I kind of feel like that's a, a different level of value, because it's, it's something you can take back to your office and, and implement and act on immediately, I would think.
1: It is. And the, the, the whole thing is taking the community, right, and putting people in, the, in a room. So really, the philosophy is you're meeting the people that you're going to be turning to for help in two months, in six months, in 12 months, mm-hmm. when you're tackling the same things that they've just gone through. So you're really, you're actually learning from them um, and, and really just sharing. I think part of it is you're not just there to learn. You're also there to share. And, and it's a, it's, it's absolutely a safe space for people to do that. Cause I, I mean, most people are, are a little bit scared. Um, and the, for the, for the people who are in employer branding, Um, They probably work really closely with marketing, PR, comms, and we've just been ingrained to fear saying the wrong thing. And so um, when you get in a space like this, you're actually supposed to say something that doesn't make sense. You're supposed to tell the story about how you skinned your, uh, your knees and and you did this thing that didn't make sense. I mean, I sure, I have a lot to share in that regard about making mistakes. Um, And, and I think, I think, Making mistakes are actually more universal than wins, because everybody can learn something from a mistake, but a win is highly circumstantial. And so when you think Mm -hmm. about how somebody was able to achieve something, a lot of things went into that, that maybe they weren't even aware of. But from a failure perspective, it's like we know, for the most part, we know why we failed, and we can share that lesson back. So that's kind of why I love talking about failure.
0: Uh, I'm with you. Uh, you know, I, was, I don't remember who said this, um, but I was reading It was somebody who was doing a TED talk or CEO or something, and they were talking about their experiences growing up and how their dad would ask them every day to share a failure. And I thought, man, how discouraging must that be? Like the first time I heard it, that sounds awful. But as she went through and explained it, it was, it was more along the lines of like, we celebrated failure in our house, because failure meant you tried something. Failure meant you learned something. Failure meant that you could go back and try it again and, and do it better the next time. And maybe you'd fail then too. But each time you failed, you got a little bit closer to getting it right. And I think that's probably true for employer branding and recruitment marketing. I know that there's a, a lot of fear. Um, and, and you touched on that a little bit with in terms of marketing implications. And, and a lot of the companies that we work with, they're, they're scared that they're going to get shut down and turned over. They like their, their responsibilities turned over to marketing who has been doing it longer or better or whatever. But the reality is, I think that when we fail on the marketing side, there's the marketing team can't help us. But what we learn um, in terms of each of those little failures is really we're dealing with a different audience. And so it i think it positions us in a way that makes us more valuable to marketing not less uh, would you agree with that statement
1: i definitely think we're more valuable to marketing cuz marketing has their own quotas their goals um, their processes their messaging all those things and and i feel like there's there's always this translation that has to happen um we have an amazing marketing team and they like to actually help us with some of our initiatives now i've built the team um, here, in such a way that we can do a lot of things ourselves. But when it comes to creating stuff from scratch, um, literally like like drawing something or creating a specific um, uh, a whole new campaign, um, we will oftentimes tap on the marketing team. And from time to time, they'll they'll say something or they'll include something in the in the creative that is just straight product marketing. And I'm like, hey guys, that's great. And, and, and I completely understand where you're coming from, but we have to talk to people like we're holding a beer and we're in the back, at a backyard barbecue. We have to have, we have to have that conversation with them. It has to be a little bit different than, than a product quote. And we have to, we have to be human. And then and on top of that. We have to have a little bit of personality, right? And so for, for most marketing teams, they're they either really know exactly who they are from a personality perspective, tone, voice, um, audience, or they're kind of trying to figure it out. And so if you're, most of the, most of the people are trying to figure it out. So, so if they don't know exactly what, what, what's going on, it's hard to hold you as the employer brand marketer to that standard.
0: I, I think that's really fair. Um, we're going to take a moment here to do a quick reset for anyone who is just now joining us. You are listening to drive through HR. The, I think we are the longest-running, or at least right up there, HR Talk Show. Um, today is Wednesday, September 19th. Is that right? I don't even think I know what day it is. But you're it's the 18th,
1: but, yeah, close it's enough. It's
0: the 18th, Speaking, I'm just day-challenged. But you are listening to Brian Janey, who is the head of global brand for Indeed and co-founder of the Talent Brand Alliance. So let's talk a little bit more about your organization, if that's okay. Um, I think what you and Will have created is amazing, and it, it's been really neat to watch it sort of um, develop and, and gain a life of its own. Uh, so, you know, your community started with a handful of members in what year?
1: Gosh. Um, well, the year, the, the year that the domain was purchased was 2013, If that (laughs) that helps, (laughs) but but the uh, but the the group itself um, started, uh, I believe it started uh, in in its infancy like five years ago, Um, and then it nothing happened with it, like nothing was done with it. It kind of sat there, laid dormant, like most like most domains that you purchase, right? It sounds like a great idea, and you're not sure if it's ever going to turn into anything, and it might, so you sit on it. And um, we 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 kept looking for these resources, and we're like these this community a place to talk to people to share these resources this, just just doesn't exist why does this not exist let's go create it and so um, over time we we, we, we kind of we we decided to kick it off with a, a an initial group of, of people a very small group i want to say it was like a dozen or so people and then grew from there so we started adding people to this facebook group and so that's where it started and and over time um, slowly maturing, slowly maturing. I love actually going back into the history because I can see, Oh, I added this person into the Facebook group in 2016. And you see like over time what's happened, but um, about a little less than three years ago is when we kicked it into another gear and we realized, Hey, this, we need to put some muscle behind this some time because we, we need it. We just need it as practitioners. And so we started doing that group, started growing and, um, uh, started getting uh, a few hundred people in the group. And everybody was like, wow, I didn't even realize this place existed. And then we realized that we needed to get people together face to face. And we decided to create an event series. Um, actually, we decided, Hey, let's get, get let's get everybody together uh, and let's do it in Austin. Cause we're in Austin <laughs> and, and, and that makes it a little bit easier. So we decided to, we planted the flag, we decided to do the first summit event and and, and it, was, it was, you know, it's a little bit daunting because we're not an event company, um, but it was something that we cared about passionately, and we wanted to make it a really good experience for everybody. So we're like, okay, so if we're in control, we can actually do more of the things that we like and either completely cut out the things that we don't like or turn the volume down so low that it's, it feels like they're not even there. Um, so we, let's make a good experience, get people in a room. And so we, we went through all this. And it's like, what, how would you create a workshop or a learning environment? So that's what we did with Summit. And um, over time, uh, we're actually getting ready to do our third Summit event. So over time, the groups continue to grow. And we've got people from Vietnam, people from Singapore, people from Belgium, um, all over the world that are joining and finding out about this community. And, and now we're approaching 900 members in the Facebook group and we're also we're also kind of getting really familiar with the limitations of having a Facebook group. <laughs> so so we're 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 kind of we're we're seeking out other avenues because we realize that the need for this is, is much much greater than what that a than a Facebook group can provide.
0: So let's talk about that for a minute because I think that's a challenge that uh, I would say more established employer brands run into as well. Um, like you, you end up running up against the limitations of a page or a group and I know Facebook right now is really pushing the uh, the group feature for pages right and so I I know I've had three conversations in the last 10 days about whether or not it's appropriate to to build a group for an employer brand and what does that do and what does it not do right and so one of the things that we've talked about is that um, that native usage right so if they're already on the platform they're more likely to, to interact with your page and potentially your group, but, but how, how does that serve everyone, right? And so I think from an EB perspective, putting out things like basic candidate resources and things like that could be useful for a group, but what are some of the limitations that you run up into? How do you know whether A, it's a good idea to use a group for your employer brand or not? And B, if you are using one, at what point do you go? Okay, you know what? I can't get done what I need to get done here. So, what are some of the challenges that you see with that?
1: So, there's definitely challenges. I think one of the one of the biggest challenges is that um, Facebook groups are geared towards keeping people on Facebook, and so mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't lend itself to messaging um, in a in a consistent, reliable way. So, collecting contact information. Um, managing that from a CRM perspective or relationship management perspective is a lot tougher. And you're also counting on the fact that all of your audience are active Facebook users or even have a Facebook account. Now We take a lot of these things for granted, right? We, we assume that, okay, well you're, you're managing employer brand or recruitment marketing. You're on Facebook, you're on um, Instagram, you're on these different channels and a lot of people, because it's personal, it's personal development. They don't. They, they're they're not thinking about it in that way. So globally, as we've grown, we've actually come across people who are like, "Yeah, I'm not on Facebook. So um, let me know. Send me email updates, or let me know when you're going to have an event in my area." And so like managing that long term, that that definitely the nurturing piece is is a bit tougher on Facebook um, because you're limited by how you can connect with people. You can post in a group, you can private message, but a lot of that's really 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 granular especially as you get more in the hundreds and thousands of people. So I think managing that communication channel is tough. Um, I think um, there's all the privacy issues um, that Facebook just inherently has at complicated by GDPR. And uh, and, and that kind of told us, so back to the original panel, like should employer brands use Facebook? Um, I think they should where it makes sense. So for us, we don't really have um, you know, in in the in the Japan market, um, Facebook isn't used as widely. It's it's right. used a little bit, but um, for us, like it's not the right channel. It's not the right channel for for recruiting in Japan. Well, that's a whole another conversation because a lot of things aren't right for recruiting in Japan. But um, when, when you think about all those different things, you have to do what's right for your audience. And if they're getting that value out of it, then then they'll show up even if it's not something that's within their normal habits, like, oh, they log into Facebook every day anyway. So this is just an easy extension to that. So we've had to think a little bit bigger, um, definitely beyond the Americas, when we're thinking about how do we build this community? How do we help it grow? And we've kind of come to the conclusion that we need to go external and provide some, some more value, some more functionality there that allows people to get a lot more out of it then, you know, okay, here's a post here. And you probably, you may or may not uh, see these, but whenever we add new people all the time. And mm-hmm. when someone joins for the first time, they will likely throw a question out there. And so we get a lot of questions that tend to be repetitive for people who are new. Um, so you have to then go back and look through all the conversations. Hey, have people talked about building a team? Have people talked about, um, you know, what, um, you know, what Instagram channels are people using, putting their career uh, content on? All those questions are recurring. So we're like, okay, we need a better way to collect that information so that it doesn't feel like the same five questions are being asked every week within the group. And I think that's another big challenge is that that knowledge base, that cataloging and tagging of that content.
0: Well, so I think, I think that's I also think to some degree, though, people do that because they don't want to go look. And maybe they don't notice the search search group bar that's on the right-hand side. Um, I, I know that my daughter pointed it out to me the other day when I was sitting in a group. And I've seen it before. I just forget that it's there. And so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I've got to go through all these files to find something in this group. And she's like, no, mom, there's a search button right there. search bar right there. Just put it in. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. But <laughs> so maybe they don't see that. But I think some of it you know, um, at least from the community management perspective, like I've seen that for the last 20 years, people just don't want to search. It's easier for them to ask the question in the way they want it to ask. Or they think that their question is slightly different because of certain circumstances, like it's the same topic, but there's different circumstances around it. So therefore it's not really the same. And so they just re-ask. And sometimes it's just an easy way to start a conversation. So I guess all of that to say is like, do you believe that that's really going to make, um, like that's really going to solve that problem. How does moving to a different platform really solve that problem?
1: So it does a couple things. Um, not only does it allow you to tag content, because people only know what you tell them. Um, if you if you explain to them that there's a tagging system that people can find content. Also, if you have content categorized so that it is in relatively easy, um, you know, intuitive topics then they'll use that. Yes, there will always be the person who throws the same question in and asks. Um, and, I'll, and I'll confess when I joined, so I joined the sous vide uh, group um, that, that you invited me to and, and, I, and, I, and I, hopped, I hopped in there and I was asking about something and I, and I did the same thing. I absolutely did the same thing. I, I threw a question out there and it was something that like six people had asked in the past two months. And I was just like, you know, I probably should have just looked at that. So part of it is, part of it is that there, that will always happen to a certain percentage of users because it's easier just to put your question out there than to actually see if that problem has been solved before. But then you also want to find out that also connects you with people. So not only mm-hmm. is it I want to see what questions have been asked, but who's asked them, who's tackled that challenge, what happened. It's been three months since, since that post. Were they able to overcome that challenge? What did they do? What did they learn? And then so facilitating those connections in a place where you're actually intended to be connected. So a lot of these people are in a group, but they're not necessarily friends, right? They might even be right. Facebook friends, but they're not real, real, real world friends. right? And so there's that. There's also that layer of um, mystique or comfort in that uh, anonymity because they can say things, they can share things, um, and and you might not be comfortable doing that. Um, on, on Facebook. So doing it on a platform where the community is the goal sharing and learning and connecting with other people who do what you do is the goal. Um, And you can draw that line to a lot of other um, social networks, right? Um, That's the function of the network. So I'm okay doing that. And I feel like Facebook kind of walks that line. Um, We did it for ease of adoption, but now I think the needs have kind of outgrown that convenience of, You've already got the Facebook app on your phone, so it's okay.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think there's, you know, with with the way that mobile responsive design is is where we're at with that, I think that you have the ability to put that onto a different platform, even one with membership gating, and still, like, create either an app front face that, that leads to a mobile responsive site. I would not recommend that people build apps, and, and that would be you guys included, but but... You know, you could certainly do something that would allow people to log on mobile and still have that ease of communication on a device that, that is portable and goes anywhere with them. I, it makes sense to me. Now, we have a couple of minutes left, and I want to make sure that people know how to find information about, one, joining Talent Brand Alliance and who sh- who's the right person to join, right? Like, what, what's the audience for that? And two, how to get information about joining the summit that you have in London this upcoming month. So if you could share that info, I would greatly appreciate it, and I think our listeners would too.
1: Absolutely. So you make a really great point, and that's something that I, um, you know, I, I kind of, I say it all the time, so I might take it for granted, but this is a vetted community. So we have, um, the percentages to be a lot higher, but we actually screen out over 40% of the people who request to join because you have to be a practitioner within recruitment marketing, internal comms, um, HR marketing, employer branding, all of those the, all those disciplines under um, essentially marketing and employment experience. Um, you have to do that work, whether you're in an in-house role in corporate, or you're actually in an agency uh, role, and you're doing that work for clients. Not sales, no software vendors, that kind of thing, because you the whole function of the community is that you have information and experience to add value to the discussion. So that's also why we've been very careful about growing the group. So that's number one, if you're interested to join, would love for you to join. There's guidelines, information about, hey, is this the right group for me? If you go to talentbrand.org, that's talentbrand.org, join. And that'll give you some, some, uh, some, some questions there and put a little bit of information and we actually have, uh, we have a whole board, we have someone dedicated to membership. So all those requests are reviewed at uh, right now, right now the, the, the main discussions in the community are happening in Facebook, but soon it will be beyond that. So that's, that's the first question. The second one that you asked was London. And so um, would love for y'all to join in London. It's gonna be the 15th through the 17th of October. We're gonna have a hundred people who do what we do uh, all <laughs> in a room and we're going to have some fun. We're going to have a lot of different discussions. We're also going to have the kind of the godfather of employer branding, uh, modern employment branding and, 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 and management. And, and so I'm excited to learn from him too. And then we've got a lot of stuff that's happening in the evenings um, that's fun so that people can actually start to build a little more social relationships in addition to the professional and business relationships in this community. And, um, and to go to that one, you can actually just go to talentbrands.org summit.
0: Perfect. Well, we are out of time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, for everybody listening on the, and on the show, we will have Dwayne Lay hosting tomorrow, and he will be joined by Michael Heller. Brian, good luck with the Talent Brand Alliance. I'll see you online. And for everybody else, you guys have a great day. Thanks, Crystal.